Hello, and welcome to the Q&A portion of our program. <clears throat> uh, yes, hello again. Ah, some familiar faces, I see. I'm sure this will go swimmingly. Dustin? Dustin, your eyes here, from Twitter. In recent weeks, the float hill is engorged with a visible upsurge of mass, of which the largest and most recent spike occurred around September 16th. Are there action plans in place, or soon to be, in order to combat this literally growing exponential existential threat? Hashtag float hill rising. Hashtag floatpocalypse. Dustin, how many times must I tell you, we do not speak of the float hill. Be silent. You. It is I, the famous Detective Gaz, and I have a question of utmost importance for you. Sinkhole plushy when? Uh, cut a softball in half and call it the dome. Done. You... Oh, not you again. Hey, it's Pacific. What do you think of eels? Not this again. Notable eel enthusiast Daisy McNamara here. This random stranger has an excellent point. Where are the eels, Kale? Why must you two conspire against me in this way? Why is it always eels with you? I'll tell you where the eels are, in the lightless depths of the Sargasso Sea, doing their dark works and hastening the end of days as is their right to do. You. You're new. Oh, hello. Interiority here with a couple of questions. In 2015, award-winning Canadian comics writer Ryan North became trapped inside a hole with his pet dog, Chomsky. After reaching out to the residents of Twitter to help him escape, my mate Nicole suggested he use his umbrella to free himself and scoop up his dog. This plan succeeded, and Ryan's ordeal was covered by outlets as varied and diverse as the Toronto Star, the Toronto Sun, and Now Magazine. Both writer and dog survived to this day. Given the obvious similarities between this story and the one told in your podcast, holes, people becoming trapped, a general air of Canadian adorability, I feel you must have missed the memo on this being the part of the program wherein my listening audience heckles me with random nonsense questions of little consequence and no real substance. What you have just asked me is altogether too charming a bit of pub trivia to really belong. Would you like another go at it? Oh, uh, all right. L- let me check my notes. Ah, so... You Won't Find Love in a Hole is a lyric from Scottish indie band Frightened Rabbit, but popular internet hangouts such as Tumblr, LiveJournal, and GeoCities are abuzz with rumors that Sinkhole Season 3 will offer a dissenting view. Are you prepared to comment on next season's expected shift into romantic comedy? Is it true that the narrator's new romantic interest is the hole itself? What are the challenges of portraying a character trying to snog a kilometers-wide void via an audio-only medium? And can you confirm that the hole insisted on an intimacy coordinator being retained for these scenes? Before I answer... Is that all of your questions? Uh, not, not quite, no. Let's have it then. Hi, Kale. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Hi. I'm Kale Brown, the creator and primary voice of Sinkhole. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce a new... mechanic to this Q&A. The Hassle Counter. I brought on three separate guests for this episode. All of them have been featured on Sinkhole at least once. All of them are good friends of mine, and all of them agreed to be a part of this program without requiring me to explain anything at all about what they should expect, which should tell you a lot about their willingness to be good-naturedly hassled by me. When you hear this sound, that means I have successfully hassled one of my guests. And when you hear this sound, I have been hassled by one of my guests. Now, let's begin. Please welcome Jesse Hall, voice of James Jim Falk, also known as the Tecto Guy. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So what's the question, Kale? 
I have a question here from Butts, and the question is, why do you continue to use talentless hack Jesse Hall? <laughs> <laughs> do you care to weigh in, Jesse? How dare you make me answer my own question? I knew it was either you or Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what would be funny? This. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> anyway, you can find Jesse on uh, his show, Tales of That Town. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Tales of That Town? It's a show what asks, hey, if demons were afoot, what would rednecks do? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good way of summarizing it. The answer is punch them, by the way. Gotcha. <laughs> you can also hear Jesse in the Void of Space episode Perfect Integration, in which I make notorious goober Jesse Hall play a serious role. How dare you? <laughs> you love me. <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to say yes. I'm contractually obligated not to compliment you. <laughs> but uh, yes, that that was the whole thing. I knew it was either you or Pacific, and I was like, I'm going to be an asshole. <laughs> Please welcome Elias Taylor, voice of Kennedy Jackson. Also, actual scientist... Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do, Eli? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I research thyroid hormones. I'm mostly interested in how thyroid hormones impact development and how that's uh, changed over time. So I spend a lot of time looking at uh, invertebrates mainly. I do a lot of work with sea urchins. So what all of this means is Eli is much smarter than me. I wouldn't go that far. I've just spent more time on sea urchins. But yeah, I have a couple of questions that I was interested in hearing your reaction to. Well, to be clearer, I have one question for you and another I'm holding you accountable for. <laughs> so the first one is, either this is from Stonesea or Stonacea. I don't know which based on how it's written. But this is the question. You have confirmed that the whole is essentially timeless inside. Does this apply to spatial dimensions as well? Since it is timeless, it has slash will always exist so theoretically is always open somewhere. Has anything been flung that couldn't have fallen in at the location of our hole? Oh, God, you know, <laughs> I'll have you know I normally check the Wikipedia article for the physics before I start talking about this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good, I never thought about physics even fucking once writing this. I know, I know. Hey, it sounds like it could make sense. Really not a physicist. <laughs> this is why I asked you, because it's funnier this way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have a literature degree. So now that we've established that you're not a physicist, I'd like to read the second question, which is from Elias Taylor, number one Kennedy Jackson fan, and it is as follows. What color, or colors, is sync light? Light escaping an area of slowed time is redshifted. Would that make the sync light reddish? Or is it a color-out-of-space scenario where it can't be described? Or would I just personally see the light as red, because that fits better in my subjective experience? Now, having stated that you're not a physicist, please explain yourself to me. <laughs> so, uh, for example, uh, areas of extremely high gravity, like around a black hole, experience slowed time, and light escaping those areas, I believe, are red-shifted. Uh, that's all there was to it. Okay. 
the color of Sinclite is bright, but also not as bright as you'd expect. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me uh, confront you <laughs> with unexpected questions, one of which was yours. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure. Uh, let me know if you've got any more horrible questions for me. Please welcome Vic Collins, the voice of Amherst Lord, who will be joining me for maybe the remainder of this experience, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a threat and a half. How's it going, Vic? <laughs> it's going well. I mean, I, th- I think it's been well established that uh, I will insist on calling this character Ambrose for the remainder of the project. You will call everyone in my show Ambrose. You've called Dorian yep. Ambrose before. I, yep. uh, I really like the fact that we've got the guy who's come out the hall now, Professor Ambrose. Good. Looking forward to seeing more from them. The guy who came out of... What are you talking about? <laughs> The guy who came out of the hole. A bunch of people came out of the hole. Yeah, but the person you specific who who Ambrose specifically stepped over. What are you talking about? There was a whole extended scene at the end where Ambrose one one three is like, "Hey, how you doing, Dorian? What are you? Yeah, yeah, but we've established a bit now, and we're going to commit to the bit." <laughs> Don't, I'm so lost. Well, we're only two minutes into this uh, recording, so we're off to a flying start. Oh my god, I need to understand that the notes in my thing here were harassing Vic, but the, the reverse is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being harassed on my own program. Yeah, and this is why you script my stuff, because otherwise I go off on one. Oh, fucking, that's why I would never script your things. You're much funnier just off the cuff. <laughs> no, but specifically, when Dorian is walking through and there is the second fling occurring, the professor from within, um, sorry, I'm terrible with names, but um, I believe Jesse's character. I don't know. He's not a professor. Is he not? Okay. No, he worked for Tectovision. Okay, fine. Well, regardless. Uh, Dr. Timothy Morris fell into the hole. That was one of the people who worked for uh, Calliope. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, uh, the only two people that we know of that have fallen into the hole that did not come out in the fling, uh, I believe, are um, Jim Falk, who's Jesse's character. Sorry, yes, it was and, Jim Falk uh, who, used, who uh, Dorian stepped over. Yeah, that's, he also, Dorian didn't step over him. <laughs> It did sound like they just were like, well, <laughs> stepped over him like a like a sack of rice. <laughs> what did we, were we even talking about? Just me, me calling everyone. I don't know, because I've been mystified <laughs> since the beginning of this. <laughs> so you're excited to see more from Jim Falk since he, yes, yes, because I, I uh, did the sneaky thing and I credited um, Jesse in the notes of that uh, episode. So you do know that it is him that you hear at the end there. Um, yes, because otherwise there's no real particular identifier because it's just like, uh, yes. uh, 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 as Dorian just lightly kicks him with a shoe, pokes him with a stick. <laughs> he literally skids onto the ground beside them and they're like, oh, fuck, and turn off the recorder. <laughs> I mean, you know, I respect uh, Dorian's commitment to, to poking privacy. Oh, my God. Uh, so basically about the grunt Jim's grunt. Yes. I asked Jesse, I was like, hey, can you do me a solid? Can you, uh, for no particular reason, can you give me 
like an impact sound kind of thing. Like, can you give me some Foley work kind of mm-hmm. thing, some vocal Foley mm-hmm. work? And did not explain it at all. So the title of the file he sent me is getting thrown to the street because one of the 112 is getting got (laughs) because I refused to explain it to him Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like no not one of the 112 one of the next batch Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah let's get into the actual questions before I keep you up till midnight sounds good so I actually have a couple of questions that are somewhat relevant to you, uh-huh. if you'd like them. I object to any question that is relevant to me. You say you object to any question that's relevant to yep. you? Yep. Yep. Well, throw these ones in the bin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what else you got? Too bad. This is my show. I was wondering how, how much I could just push that uh, Canadian politeness. It's like, oh, what am I going to do with this now? <laughs> Listen, there's Canadian politeness. You're also just my friend, so I will let you get away with a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But I also know you're not serious. So uh, so my first one here is from the Order of the All-Seeing Eye Researcher number 37, and it is, when will Emrys Lord answer my emails? Depends what it's about. Um, if it's asking for anything, probably never. <laughs> if it's offering something probably about a week before he needs it if it's uh-huh. just general fan stuff then immediately i i don't know i don't know <laughs> i think I, it's either immediately or like in six months and he'll feel incredibly guilty about it uh-huh i was gonna say i, I also feel like emerus is extremely online like emerus is 100 percent the kind of guy who will not see your email for three months, but will answer your Twitter DM instantly. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, definitely. Immediately. That's that's Emerus's energy. He's the world's most online man. Hands down. Like, particularly for a person who has a whole sway, the whole area of online he literally can't get onto. Um, he is terrifyingly online even then. It's like... You know, it, he, he is. Yeah, he's impressively online given the like actual limitations of not being on the yeah, net. Yeah, he, he is effectively uh, engaging with internet memes whilst using solely a, uh, a, a rotary phone in a back room. <laughs> yeah, he's on like a fucking. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I want to like DOS or something. <laughs> but yeah, I have another question here, which is. Not Amy, who is going to direct the sinkhole all caps only whispers. Now, here's a bit of inside baseball here. This is an inside joke that I would love if you could explain to the listening audience, Vic. What, the, the sinkhole all caps only whispers? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really my, my inside joke. It's literally... I did not start that. I, I mean, you did because you, you aggressively capitalized the show every time it's been referenced. So it's always all caps Because sinkhole. that's how the name works. And, but then you only ever... Like, the title is literally whispered. Because it's supposed to be an echoing voice that's in a hole. Yeah. But it's, so it's it's all caps, only whispered. It's really not that hard. So for reference, our good friend Vic here streams and is a VTuber, which I actually didn't know before I cast him as Emrys Lord. That's true. It was just a very funny coincidence. <laughs> and has shouted out Sinkhole several times on stream. And at one point early on, insisted on 
in, it like insists on whispering the title every time he says it. Because whatever the title is said, it's whispered. It's no. Yes. The title, it's only because oh, you have a sample size of one and it's the intro. That's it. Yes. But if we're going to take from the text, you have a literature degree. Surely you must recognize the supremacy of the text when you are taking this. I do. And the previous Q&A is right there. And I talk about the show and I never whisper the name. <laughs> well, then I, I, I can't account for your failings. I need you to uh, redo this essay and return it to me. <laughs> Because you didn't look at your sources. I mean, are we taking the primary work or the author? Because I would argue, based on death of the author, (laughs) we can look at the text purely on its own merit, in which case... Vic Collins threatening my life live on air. (laughs) Anyway, what was the question? Who's directing Sinkhole? All caps... What does that actually mean? Who's... Yes... Uh, yes, uh, Amy had asked, sorry, not Amy. I just couldn't include all the questions. I had to cut a couple of them out. Gotcha. Uh, I believe the first question that I had cut out was about who would play the narrator in a like television or movie adaptation of Sinkhole. And um, I don't know actors. I'm like, why would you ask me that? Of all people? Well, why would you not do it? Like, it's your show. You are the producer director principal character like if you suddenly are in a position where you can have sinkhole be created as a tv show why would you not just like because ultimately you know it's a bit it's it's kind of like the whole thing with the mandalorian where it's like you know it doesn't really matter who you cast because you're gonna have like sorry one second i have to turn off my fridge sure for those unaware I make all of this in a hydroponics tent lined with moving blankets in a single room with attached bathroom bachelor apartment. What I believe I have described as Satan's own workspace. I have a new desk now. Congrats. My laptop screen is still held together with uh, electrical tape. I am still struggling to get my PC working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But now I have a shelf, so Gordon can no longer... uh, Gordon is my cat. Gordon can no longer yeet my uh, audio interface onto the floor as he has done many times in the past because now it's on a different level than him because uh, he will lie on my desk and that's just the facts. Anyway, I have to go turn off my fucking fridge. Right. So I was pointing out that in the event that, that we were casting Sinkhole, why would we not just cast you who is a perfectly competent actor who is very well versed in the source material well i mean being a voice actor versus being like a screen actor are different things i mean if you're that concerned about it then surely it's like just body double like ultimately you know the person playing dorian would be entirely well effectively edited out it'd be kind of like the doug jones in hellboy situation well ultimately i think actually realistically if Sinkhole was going to be adapted, I think it would do best adapted animated. Mm. Just for like obvious reasons. Mm. I think like very stylistic. And actually, if someone was going to direct it, sadly he has passed away, but I think Satoshi Khan would be probably the coolest person. A Satoshi Khan Sinkhole would fucking rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was another question from Not Amy, and it was Are there any moments you wanted to include in Sinkhole All Caps Only Whispers? But couldn't. And again, I just included that because this is what you've done, Vic. This is what you've done to me. Yeah. 
uh, what are you looking for? Like, if you're looking for an apology, you're not going to get it. It's not coming, I know. All you're going to get from me is a smug sense of satisfaction. It's palpable from here. You're across an entire ocean and I can still just feel mm-hmm. it. In fact, it's, it's basically, it is the face you will be very familiar with in as much as it's probably the face that Gordon looks at you with when he has kicked off your audio interface. So these were these weren't questions. These were more just uh, things for me to play off. These were me accusing you <laughs> for your sins. Anyway, yeah, go watch Vic on Twitch as Loxley, the Seder of Strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm his mod and uh, constantly heckling him. So that's also a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like realistically, I have very few instances where I can in public give you shit on your projects or if you regularly have that avenue into mine to give me shit so i once again reiterate you made me your mom that's true and i and i stand it's a by thing that. you chose to do you have been less dangerous <laughs> with that responsibility than i think you otherwise would have been it's true if you give me responsibility i settle down but yeah here are some actual questions another one from the order of the all-seeing eye researcher number 37 Thank you for making me say that entire mouthful every single time. Mm -hmm. Did the existence of the whole have any impact on religion or other spiritual beliefs? So I feel like there is definitely some element of like superstition and stuff. But uh, I have to reiterate that it's an extremely localized thing. Like it's 100% one of those things that there are people in other countries who have like a vague idea of, oh, this thing happened, but don't even realize that it's like still open. Like it's weird enough that people are tangentially aware of it, but a lot of people don't know much of anything about it. Do you want to have any more comment on religion? Hey, I mean, if you have any thoughts, let me know. I mean, I feel like, depending on how local, the fact that there was a cult and a bit of that area, like a compound that was owned by the cult, fell into the hole, I definitely feel that either a rival cult or some form of um, fringe sect of Christianity is going to have pointed to the just that one bit of cult property that fell in the hole and be like, oh, definitely God's punishment. I think my interpretation is it's going to depend how local any given person was to the hole and how much religion played into their life already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the thing with the Carpenter Embassy is that it was already pretty covered up, and it had been kind of a bit since it had closed down. It was, like, the Carpenter Embassy was also very local, but that's definitely the sort of thing you'll find on, like, <laughs> like a GeoCities page or something. Yeah. Like, like if you go deep diving into weird conspiracy shit, yeah. there's definitely somebody out there talking about the relationship of the Carpenter Embassy to whatever's going on. There's definitely also that element of, like, you know for sure that there's, like, some weird fringe religious group talking about the Carpenter Embassy falling in and it being some sort of divine punishment. Mm-hmm. You know that's happened. It's, it's impossible there isn't somebody who's getting kind of wild like that. Oh, definitely. Though uh, even weirder because there was no one in it. So, yeah, fully empty. There's a lot of superstition about it locally mm. is a thing. But didn't have really like any overarching impact on religions institutionally or even like spiritual beliefs because outside of the city and the surrounding towns, it's not as big a deal as you'd expect. Because while like you look at it and you're like, oh, God, that's super fucking weird. It's been decades Mm. and 
even crazy shit, people just sort of get bored with. People get used to things and they get bored with them. That's just how people work. Things you think are like, this is always going to be crazy and wild. No, no. When you talk about Chernobyl and Hiroshima, you still think about like the relationship to nuclear damage and stuff, but people aren't constantly focusing on those. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's where that happened. And like, that's basically it. That's the full extent, unless you have a particular interest in that. And it's the same sort of thing because it's been decades. If I'm any judge, things around the whole are like a really niche pub quiz topic. Yes, absolutely, yes. Like, you probably couldn't fill an entire round, but like, every pub quiz probably has like one piece of whole related trivia that they just kind of cycle in every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, that's... uh it but we have a question here from uh, our very own local detective gaz of accidentally no scoping the plot of season two fame (laughs) if you'll sit with me a moment and suppose something with me yes if the hole reaches forward in time how far does it reach back how long has it been there just under your feet deciding as i think you once said today is the day i am not a hole that's the thing You don't know. And you just have to live with that. That's the whole point. You simply don't know. Achillea asked, do you have ideas for seasons further out than three? And the answer to that depends on whether or not I wrap up the storyline I am working through in three or if I have to roll it over into four for that. Because it is a limited run. This is not a... a constant thing there is an end to this story god the fucking supernatural itis this would so quickly delve into if i just had to sustain it indefinitely it would suck sinkhole season five features emrys being sent back in time in order to try and prevent the hole being opened in the first place oh my god shark jumping yeah pretty much so i have a well i actually have a couple of questions here from Somebody whose name is either Stonesea or Stonacea, and I don't know which. Including some examples with this one, feel free to ignore any slash all of them. What are the other physiological changes to someone with stereocoleoptosis, such as do they emit light? Are they translucent at all? Do the affected areas still age? Presuming the only difference between superficial and deep sinkage is just that, how deep into the tissues it goes. Is someone with 100% deep sinkage to the cranium essentially immortal, provided the unaffected parts of the body are non-vital or can be medically maintained slash replaced? Something... I've actually noticed a couple of people have sort of assumed is that the idea that you could pass something through one side of a person with hysteriocoleptosis and out the other. No, if it goes into a person with hysteriocoleptosis, it's just gone. There's no transparency either. It's literally like a you were looking at a gap in reality into another place. You're literally just looking into a void because there are stars in there. There's a certain amount of light that is emitted, but it's not a lot. There is actually an interesting question to be asked of like, the starscapes that you see inside of people are not static. They do actually move. uh, And it's part of what they measure at Paradigm. So there's an interesting question of what would happen if somebody, their view shifted into close proximity to a star because then presumably someone could become blindingly bright at all times but that mercifully has not happened because truly a nightmare but uh in terms of 
whether or not the parts of people that have deep sync age, there's actually a question to that because something kind of important to realize is that it's been about 10 years since the initial fling. And Dorian very notably talks about how there's 112 of us assuming everyone's still around. The assumption that everyone would still be alive is a little bit notable because it's not like everybody who came out were like 20s to 30s. There were older people. And it's also one of those things where if somebody had a complication in an area with sinkage, they can't be operated on if they have deep sink. Yeah, so there's something to be considered about that. The short answer is, at this point, that is unclear. And that's as much as I'm going to say. My takeaway is that it's not like some kind of scar or pigmentation of the skin. It's fundamentally an absence. It's not like, you know, and I, I guess to an extent is really hard to work out like where that absence goes from and to because how would you seek to measure that? Yeah, well, so in somebody who has superficial sinkage, you actually do know because basically adjacent to the area, you can see how deep it goes. In people who have deep sinkage, it's just, it's all the way through. It's like, it's just fully all the way through. There is no limit to that. It is and isn't an absence. It's like a weird, like quantum co-occurrence because the thing is that the person's skin and everything is still there. Mm -hmm. It is still tangibly and actionably there. The top half of Dorian's head is 100% there. Like, it is there. And they talk about that, like, if they touch their face and everything, it all feels normal. But it is also simultaneously a gap or a... It's hard to explain. Uh, But there's another question from the same person, which is, can a person with hystericoileptosis learn to control their intangibility, i.e. allow something to fall into the void even when aware of it? No, not really. It's almost an instinctual thing. It's like if somebody throws something at your face, your instinctual urge is to like flinch away or move. Mm -hmm. You can't make yourself not aware of your face. You can't just mind over matter. This will not hit me. I think there's a certain amount of dissociation people could do, but it's still you're instinctually going to be like, this is going to impact me. And the awareness of that prevents it from not hitting you if you're standing there with your eyes closed and don't know someone could throw something at you and if you just don't know it's coming yeah it's it's gone and that actually kind of leads into there's a question here from worm and it's kind of related it says if not paying attention allows things to fall into space does being unconscious mean there's a danger of pillows falling into heads overnight or at least enough to irradiate parts of them and that's one of those things where i feel like with larger objects and like pressures like that, like consistent pressures, not so much. It's a little bit complicated. Things that have a consistent pressure around other parts of you that are not affected by hysterocoliptosis, they don't tend to dip in. It's like a, there's a weird stabilizing element to that. And then there's another question here from Worm, which is, do people with extreme sinkage need to keep a lead-lined biohazard bucket in the house in case of void accidents? And this is actually a really interesting one because this is an example of Dorian being an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. So if you know or are someone who is disabled, something you realize very quickly is that there's basically two kinds of approaches that people take to chronic illness or disability. 
And the first and I find more common one is I'm going to learn absolutely everything that I can about my condition because knowledge is power. They know everything and oh yeah, they've heard about this one study that came out in 1998, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, that was discredited by this. And then there's the second kind, which I find is more common in older people, but not exclusive to that, which is where somebody went on like WebMD for five minutes, got too freaked out and committed to knowing as little as possible. Dorian is the latter. <laughs> There's a reason that the second any of the questions in the AMA episode get even slightly technical. They're like, there's shit online. You can just go read that. The actual amount of radiation that things sustain is, it's cosmic radiation. It's the same amount as something being out in space. So it's not good, but it's not like make you sick, like make your hair fall out kind of radiation. In an extended period, it might not be good, but a brief amount probably not going to hurt you. Dorian's very much one of those people who is like, I'm going to think about my condition as little as possible. It's not something they love talking about because that's some people's experiences. Their relationship to it and their knowledge of it is a little bit flawed, which is something to keep in mind. Like if it was genuinely something where it was like, that was a huge issue, these people would all be in constant quarantine because they'd be a risk to everyone around them all of the time. And themselves, presumably. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it'd be unlivable. Accidents are frequent, like little things dipping in, even without you realizing. Have there ever been instances where, like, something's only partially sunk in? Like, there's just, you know... Yeah, no, 100%. Like, yeah, if you become aware of something halfway, it'll stop, and you can remove it. Mm. It just, it's not pleasant. (laughs) Dorian talks about it a little bit when they're talking about their experiences during the fling about thinking that their arm was broken. It's not painful. It's just weird and unpleasant. It's unpleasant and inconvenient. (laughs) So no, there is not really a need for that. Uh, It's one of those things where if you go and you research it, you realize very quickly that this person you are hearing from has a kind of a tendency to oversimplify and also not a super robust understanding of their own condition. But uh, yes, there's another question from Butts here. Thanks, Jesse. Which is, are there people that get their nev removed like a new age Amish? And absolutely 100% yes. 100%. It's not super easy. Like there's elements of it that you cannot get removed after, but you can be disconnected. Putting this stuff in is a lot less risky than going in and removing it. Because having to, like, remove this sort of thing, you could damage tissues. But you can render it inert. And people do. People absolutely do. It's not super common. It tends to relate to, like, if there's complications or some of the things that Dorian talks about with the kind of element of uh, something very, very bad happens to someone you know. And then there's, like, an anxiety that tends to rise. That's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that, typically. I actually, I do have a question here from Pacific, which is, have you told people about the Audioverse Awards you're nominated? Yes, I am. And I put this off so long. God, I hope I get it out before the 30th because that is this round of the nomination phase. So yes, I am nominated in the Audioverse Awards. As of this recording, we're just in the first stage, which is just to narrow down the shows remaining in each category. I am under the new shows category, obviously, because the very first episode of Sinkhole came out in February of this year. This is a pretty new show, <laughs> though it feels like it's been three years. Well, it makes sense because you're going into season three. 
You work incredibly quickly. I, yes, listen, listen, listen. (laughs) I started writing Sinkhole on September 29th of 2021. So I did, in fact, write, record, edit, and release two seasons of this show within a 12-month period. If I recall, does uh, the Audioverse not require you to have, like... A list of five that you're nominating for different things. Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't want it to be a popularity, so instead they just be like, you need to have, like, five that you're proposing. Yeah. Go and nominate your favorites, the things that you think are awesome and really deserve to be on there. Like, there's lots of really cool new shows coming out, like uh, Rogue Maker and Badlands Cola there's lots of really neat stuff that's there in, in like the other new categories and obviously some old favorites in uh, in the returning shows. So like obviously Silt Versus, which continues to rule. But yeah, if you have an interest in that, I encourage you to go vote in the Audioverse Awards. So uh, only a couple more questions here. I've got one here from notable and esteemed eel enthusiast Daisy McNamara, which is, does all technology experience the same type of degradation that sinkhole tapes do? Like, if one put in a circa 2022 smartphone, will whatever data one pulls from it behave the same way? And the answer to that is no. Most solid-state stuff doesn't have any problem. If it did, you would have a hard time getting, like, recordings and stuff from the narrator, just because their computer would constantly be borked. And then the last question here is... Of course, from Eli, the number one Kennedy Jackson fan and the voice actor of Kennedy Jackson, will we be hearing more about Jackson's peg leg of Heron Fault now that Heron Fault looks important-ish? Probably. And that's the whole answer. (laughs) But uh, yes, thank you so, so much for listening. And I'm hoping to at least have season three start releasing by February 4th, which was when Sinkhole started releasing Knowing me, it'll probably be before then, but I'm giving myself more time because nine weeks is not a realistic turnaround. And I, I mean, it's also worth pointing out you are working on a number of other professional projects, which means that you do not have like the same amount of time as you might necessarily have done so nine months ago when you created Sinkhole. True, true. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I don't have the same amount of time. Thank you very much for sitting and keeping me company while I mumble my way through many answers, Vic. You are more than welcome. I'm always happy to uh, kind of be here, and uh, it's a pleasure hanging out, as always. And, uh, yeah, I I look forward to working with you in future seasons. I'm very excited for season three. I just have to sit down and write it. I'd like to say thank you once again to Jesse, Eli, and Vic for joining me on this adventure. And to all of you for listening. I'm very sorry that I couldn't get to everyone's questions. There were a lot of them, and I prefer not to have the Q&A episodes run incredibly long. If it wasn't for all of you, I would just be making this for myself and no one else. And as willing as I am to do that, it is nice to know that people are enjoying it. So I'll see you in Season 3. Stay safe. And try not to fall into any holes.